This podcast was made with Descript. Descript is a groundbreaking new media tool that allows creators to edit audio and video like a text document and create a realistic clone of their own voice for seamless edits. Please check out our Patreon at Asian Hustle Network. We want Asians to continue being meaningful and give back to the Asian community. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to contribute to our feature, we hope you become a patron. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. His name is Chatri Sidyatong. Chatri is the founder, chairman, and CEO of One Championship, Asia's largest global sports media property in history, with a broadcast to 2.7 billion potential viewers across 150 plus countries around the world. One is a celebration of Asia's greatest cultural treasures, martial arts, and esports. Chatri is a self-made entrepreneur and a lifelong martial artist from Thailand. He is also the star of the Asian edition of The Apprentice, the award-winning global reality TV series. His rags to riches life story has inspired millions around the world. Inducted into the Black Belt Hall of Fame in 2019, Chatri has over 35 years of martial arts experience. Chatri holds an MBA from Harvard Business School and a BA from Tufts University. Chatri, welcome to the show. Thank you, Maggie, and thank you, Brian. Really appreciate the, the time you're taking out. Yeah, I mean, we're super hey, excited. Nice to meet you guys, too. Of course. We're super excited <laughs> to have you in the podcast today. To be honest, like, we were reading up about you like five, five or six years ago, right? We never thought that we had the opportunity to meet you now. Oh, really? Five or six years ago? Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, bizarre. Wow. Yeah. And because I used to do wrestling, so I follow M- MMA. And I was like, oh, what is one championship? It was popping up over Asia, you know? Right, right. And here you are today. So I'm happy That's to have you on the show. Yeah. Thank you, bro. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. So let's dive right into it, Chaudhry. Where did you grow up and what was your upbringing like? I grew up in Thailand um, and uh, I grew up in a well-to-do family when I was a young child. And uh, uh, my mom was a homemaker. I had a younger brother and we lived in Bangkok and and we split our time between Bangkok and Pattaya. Pattaya is a beach town um, uh, an hour and a half away from Bangkok. And uh, I would say that, you know, I lived a very blessed childhood, um, although not blessed for my parents because I was such a problem, a troublemaker, you know. Um, I just remember being in the principal's office a lot, getting detention, getting suspended for fighting, um, a lot of lot, lot of dumb, dumb shit, you know, <laughs> when I was a kid. <laughs> so, and and <clears throat> yeah, I, I literally, my mom became like best friends with the principal because I was, I was sent there every day or whatever it is. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, um, it was, uh, it, I have just incredible memories of, of, of my parents and my family. And, and that's how I want to remember things. And that's how I look back on everything. Um, because, you know, in, in life, we have the choice always to, um, whether good things or bad things happen, we, we have the choice to look at situations and people mm-hmm. um, and, and see the best of them as opposed to see the worst, you know? Um, uh, my father passed away uh, a few years ago and, uh, you know, long story cut short, 
in the Asian financial crisis, my father uh, uh, went bankrupt and we lost the house and the car and uh, he abandoned the family, just disappeared. And so I didn't see him for decades. And uh, I had a lot of anger, you know, a lot of anger. Um, Cause you know, you, when you watch your mother cry out of hopelessness and, you know, eating one meal a day and um, just, it was heartbreaking. Right. And, and uh, so I, 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 the heartbreak turned into a lot of anger and hatred towards my father because uh, where did he go? You know, and, and in an Asian household back then, and even now, you know, the man in the house is supposed to take care of the house and, or, 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 or the, the, the money. And then the mom is supposed to take care of the house and the kids. And so my mom didn't have any job qualifications or anything. She fo- focused hundred percent on the kids. Mm-hmm. And so that quote unquote contract, that marriage, you know, my father didn't live up to it. And uh, so when um, I held on to a lot of anger for many, for, yeah, for many, many years and then, but it was around uh, maybe six or seven years ago, I decided uh, to reach out to him, to find him because I hadn't seen him for so long. And so I reached out to relatives and eventually found him. Um, and he was dirt poor living in, in a small little, um, you know, apartment, you know, just, mm-hmm. just uh, really just poor and um he was alone Mm -hmm. and and when i saw him he was so frail and old and it just kind of took me back like wow you know because my image of him was way back you know and um then we went out and had dinner and then you know had a heart-to-heart talk i said dad you know why did you leave us Mm -hmm. and all these years i thought he abandoned us because he just abandoned us because threw us away like garbage, you know? And he said, Chachri, you know, as an Asian man, um, I was very ashamed that I could no longer provide for my family. I couldn't put food on the table for you because I couldn't pay for education. And, you know, every day went by and and seeing you was, was killing me. You know, he was very ashamed of himself. And, you know, we all respond to, uh, crisis and disappointment in different ways. And, and my father's response, he wasn't proud of it. He, he decided to run away because the pain was so overbearing for him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a few years later, he passed away. And at his funeral, I gave a speech and then I started thinking about afterwards, like all the good that he did as opposed to the bad. So he was the, the guy who introduced me to Muay Thai when I was nine years old by taking me to Lumpini Stadium, which is the Mecca of Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. You know, he was the guy who took me to the beach, my first beach ever um, in, in Patea um, and, and, and gave me, gave birth to my love of, of the ocean. He was the first guy to, you know, inspire me to be a dreamer because he was, while his career wasn't successful in the end, he was always a dreamer. And, uh, and so many other things, right? And, and, and it gave me a blessed childhood. Mm-hmm. So we can remember the bad <clears throat> about people or we can remember the good, same thing for situations. And I just learned over, over time <clears throat> um, that I held on to too much anger for too long and that no one's perfect actually. We, we, we were all flawed in our own ways and, and we're all works in progress, right? And um, I'm sure if my father could relive his life again, he would have chose a different path um, based on my, on my conversation. But what's really sad <clears throat> is, you know, I thought we had time to, to, to uh, 
rekindle the relationship and work on it. And then he could eventually move to Singapore and, you know, and we could work on it. And uh, he did come to Singapore for a visit. And then uh, he went back. And then a few months later, I got a call um, that he had a stroke and then he was paralyzed. I mean, the worst way you can die, he, he was paralyzed. Um, his whole body was paralyzed, but his mind was 100% alert. So he could not move except for blinking his eyes. He had to live that way for two years. Um, and then he passed away. Um, so I would go visit him at the hospital in Thailand and stuff. But, you know, that's another lesson I learned. It's, it's, it's never, if you can, always forgive those who hurt you. Forgive yourself. Um, you know, say I love you. Because you just never know, man. You, you know, I thought that we, I reconciled with him and, hey, man, for the next 10 years, I get, I get to learn about him. He gets to learn about me and we can be friends again. And, but in reality, you know, months later, he had a stroke and could not speak anymore and was completely paralyzed. So, um, yeah, just another, just another lesson, you know? Wow. Thank you for sharing that story, Chaudhry. I, I just want to say, you know, I'm sorry to hear about your father. And I think that, you know, it, it takes a lot of courage for you to actually reach out and to go find him. You know, it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of strength. And I think that in different generations, you know, especially in the Asian culture, there's a really big thing about saving face, right? Yeah. I think that yeah. your father must have felt like, you know, because he couldn't feel like he could provide for the family, he most likely you know, was a little bit scared. And yeah. I, I'm sure that, you know, because you guys had the chance and opportunity to rekindle, that probably meant the world to him. Yeah, yeah, and, well, for sure. You, you, you're right, you know, it, it's, because uh, in many ways, you know, I'm Americanized, right? I mean, yes, I, I grew up in Thailand and, and I'm, I'm half Thai, half Japanese, but I did spend a considerable amount of time in the States. So I kind of have a Western mindset as well as an Eastern mindset. So, you know, um, but I can understand my, you know, my father is really, really, really Asian, grew up, you know, in Asia and spent all his time here. So you're right. Saving face. I mean, I'm sure even for your parents, right. It's the same as saving face is a big deal in Asian culture. It, it, it just is. And, um, just one of these things that you never, um, you never think of it as a weakness, but it actually is a weakness. The, the, yeah. the fact that Asian culture, you don't communicate. You know what I mean? You don't, it, you don't, parents and grandparents don't communicate the weaknesses yep. to their kids, you know? No. Right? Not all. So, yeah. yeah. And that's, that, I mean, that's, that's so powerful. And just you talking about, you know, us being flawed as human beings, you know, because from an outside perspective, as an like, uh, some some people look at you as early entrepreneurs like man Chatri must have some super some sort of superpower he knows it all he never feels insecure in any ways but what, what, what oh, are that's not, yeah, that's not true at all that's yeah. not true at all you know like it doesn't matter we we're all playing the same game it's just different yeah. levels you know and and the, the struggle is the same I'm telling you man and I've been dirt dirt poor and I had different insecurities or different fears or different doubts. And, you know, every level has always been like those fears or doubts and insecurities just changed morph into something else. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and just as your dreams morph into something else. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I think, um, 
people think that from the outside, you know, everything's uh, hunky dory, everything's great, or, or or it was easy, or you know, like people only see the the success or the fame or the money or whatever. But in reality, you know, it, it, we all struggle. We all have to, you know, fight ourselves. You know, our our, our doubts, our insecurities, our fears, and um, and our flaws. Right. So. Definitely. Yeah. With our podcast, we tried to really highlight that in every entrepreneur that we are human, every stage yeah. is a new playing game and just really inspire the next generation of entrepreneurs that they can do it too. Cause the first yeah, thing that they have, is like, I don't know if I'm worthy of doing this. I don't know if I can mm -hmm. do it, you know, but, right. but by hearing your stories, like, okay, like Chaltry is human. Like I am like, I yeah, want hundred percent. There is no difference to me and you, Brian, or you, Maggie, none. It's just, you're younger than me. That's it. You know, but like, uh, I love what you guys are doing, uh, with, you know, I wish we had this when we were younger, you know, aggregating, uh, globally, you know, um, a, a real Asian, a powerful Asian network of rising young superstars, as well as, you know, um, accomplished individuals ready and, and basically sharing knowledge and experiences and, and, and help and lending a helping hand wherever we can. I think that's a, a very powerful thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we want to dive deeper into your story too. So your dad brought sure. you to the love of martial arts. And you know, we listened to other podcasts, you mentioned that back in high school, you weren't the best student, but we want to, we want to learn like, what was a turning point for you where you realized that you had to step it up academically, you had to be able to provide for your family. And we understand that you have a lot of struggles and props to you for taking care of your mom and having her stay out your Harvard door yeah. and, right. and, right. and everything. But we just right. want to know, like, what was a time where you faced that internal, I don't know, darkness that you faced? And you're like, oh man, yeah. who am I? What am I doing? How am I going to out, get out of that situation? Because the best entrepreneurs are the ones pushed against the wall and they can pivot quick, quickly. Right. You know? Right. I feel like you have that too. Right. So, so, um, I remember very well, actually. It was uh, one night, um, and uh, my mom was. The lights were off for whatever reason, and and, and my mom was in the corner crying, mm -hmm. and uh, she thought I I I, I wasn't uh, paying attention or I was asleep, and um, and I saw I you know I'd never seen my mom cry until that. That, that phase in our life. And at first I was wallowing as well. You know, I was like, um, what am I gonna do in my life? And I'm, uh, you know, we're gonna be poor and, and, and this is it. And I kind of almost like, you know, you go through the whole phase of denial and, and acceptance and all that, right? And, um, but when I saw my mom really just crying uncontrollably, that memory, it just triggers something in me. Like I have to, either I'm going to sit here and, and we will end up being God knows what, you know, I don't know what would have happened or I get my shit together and I do something about it. Mm -hmm. And that was one big memory that I had that I remember it was a turning point, but I still didn't have a plan. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just had the, instead of feeling sorry for myself, I just had this snap thing of like a fighting spirit, you know? Um, and uh, another point was uh, a few years later uh, was in um, my Harvard dorm room where my mother slept on the bed and I slept on the floor and it's a really tiny single, you know, dorm room. 
And my mom was talking about all these dreams about, you know, she's like, Chachi, when, when all this is done, I want to go live in New York City. And, you know, and I'm saying, mom, what, how do you know, even know where even get get out of the situation? First of all, I need to find money for next semester's school fees. Mm-hmm. You know, second of all, like you're living in the dorm and, 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 and I might not make it academically here. I might get kicked out. Like, you know, what mom, like, it's crazy. Right. Um, and, uh, but my mom was just always dreaming and believing, you know, and, 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 uh, maybe she was doing it consciously, maybe subconscious. I don't know, but it, you know, it, it, it made me, despite me being upset at that moment, mom, stop dreaming. <clears throat> it actually made me, um, visualize that, you know, there is a way out that I can, fight through this that I can. And, you know, it was my mom's idea uh, for me to apply to Harvard, uh, you know, and it's crazy because I was not like some valedictorian or I was never like some, some rock star student. I was always like on the bottom third in elementary, middle school and like high school, um, of my class. Um, I don't know, like a 2.7 GPA, something like that. Right. Maybe lower. And, and, you know, like I said, I, I was sent to the principals and, 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 got into a lot of fights and all that kind of stuff. I was not the model student. So I had no confidence in even applying or even, you know, if I got in, we had no money and, and what makes you think I could even survive? You know, uh, that was my mindset. And, um, for whatever reason, I, I, I did get accepted. Um, because I guess maybe they were looking for somebody from Thailand. I have no idea. You know, maybe I was filling <laughs> a quota, you know, who knows? Maybe only three people apply from Thailand. They're like, okay, we got to take this guy, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, I scored high on my tests. I mean, I had, I had good essays and stuff like that. I grew up in day people, a lot of people believe in me, but, um, so, uh, you, who knows? I mean, I, when I got to look at that, I thought it was pure luck, but I, I've, tried to talk my way out of it in every way possible because I was like, I told my mom, like, mom, this is a mistake. They made a mistake. Uh, you know, and then like, literally like it was not a celebration. It was more like, well, mom, what I don't want to do is borrow a hundred thousand dollars and then and get kicked out of school. Then I, then we're in bigger trouble than we are right now. Um, then I thought, you know, and then I thought, I thought, you know, even if I go, where am I going to find the money? Like, how am I going to graduate? financially. So I was literally like kicking and clawing my way against going. Like I, I said, mom, this is a dumb idea. You know, it's a really dumb idea. And my mom just said, Chatri, you're the oldest son. I believe in you and you'll find a way. So when I returned back to America, I, I, I had, you know, one suitcase with all my life belongings and a thousand dollars. And that first week at Harvard, uh, I was so intimidated by everybody. I, I obviously kept my, my, my family background in poverty secret because I was so ashamed of it. But I was, um, that first week, you know, I was so intimidated by everybody. And I remember thinking, man, I don't belong here, man. Like I'm not some, like some smart kid or anything. I was like, man, I don't belong here. And, 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 and everyone, at least on the surface seemed to be well to do. Right. I was one of the poorest kids in, in our class. And, uh, that first week I had to scramble, look for jobs, look for scholarships, look for financial. I didn't know how everything worked, you know? Um, and uh, luckily I did find all of that. You know, I, I was a tutor at Kaplan um, for the GMAT, you know? Yeah. I was a Muay Thai teacher, you know, delivered food. I did whatever I could and uh, uh, was lucky to get some financial aid and scholarship and all that stuff. So, um, 
you know, it's just one of those things that when you're in survival mode and instead of just worrying about myself, you see, I, I guess that's when I realized I learned about fighting for something bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. I just imagine if it was just fighting for myself, I might not have taken that risk. I might not have gone. Right. Cause it's like, I had no one else, but watching your mother suffer, mm-hmm. watching her cry and, you know, sacrificing and having one meal a day and just, you know, and there was no, literally like no, because she's not like, she didn't have a job in her whole life. She never know anything. So mm-hmm. the onus was on me to make something. So, um, but when you have something to fight for that's bigger than yourself, and that's also the time that I learned that, you know, we all have fears, doubts, and insecurities, and they can become self-imposed walls of a prison. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just think back, like, what if I listened to my fears, doubts, and insecurities at that moment? If I said, you know what, you're not good enough to apply. Or even if I did apply and I got in, you're not good enough to, to, to actually graduate. You don't have the money. You don't have the academic uh, um, mind to, do, to, to, to graduate. If I'd listened to those fears, doubts, and insecurities, I would have taken a very different path. And maybe my life today, who knows what I would be. Maybe I would be like, I don't know, like in the bottom rungs of society in, in, in Thailand, scraping my way through. Like, I, I don't know what would happen to my mother and all that. And so for me, that's why I love, you know, talking about these things uh, for the next generation is that, look, we're all going to have fears, doubts, and insecurities. And even to this day, I have fears, doubts, and insecurities about different things, right? And it's, I always say like, you know, we're not put on this earth, you know, to succumb to our fears, doubts, and insecurities. We're put on this earth to overcome them so that we can unleash our greatness in life mm-hmm. and hopefully be in a position to give back more than you, 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 you receive, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the ultimate um, meaning of life, in, in my opinion. Um, you know, and when I was dirt poor, I thought, man, you know, I just want to make a crap load of money. So my mom never has to worry about money or food ever again. And I thought naively, I thought, man, if I become a multimillionaire, I will just, that's it. I'll be happy. And I equated naively money to happiness. And it, it wasn't until years later that I found out that actually it's not about that. You know, of course I was grateful that I could provide for food and, 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 and stuff for my mom and all that stuff. And, and, um, and, and, and definitely one of my most proud moments in life, one of my most the happiest memory I have, one of the happiest is when I surprised my mom by buying a house, you know, by, by buying a condo in, in New York city. Um, obviously that was a, a huge moment for me in my life, you know, and, and I remember it so well, it was like a Sunday afternoon and I brought my mom to this nice high rise condo and took her up and she was surprised and I opened the door. She's like, what is this? You know? And I said, mom, this is your home. And she didn't quite understand. And then she broke down in tears and then I broke down in tears and we hugged and you could just see years and years of my mom's struggle, just leave her in, 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 in her, in, you know, in her tears as tears streamed down her face. Um, and that for me was one of the greatest gifts I could ever give, you know? So obviously money does matter. Um, and I wouldn't have been able to do that, but well, I guess my point is, 
for all of us to truly live fulfilled lives where we have true meaning and there's passion and purpose, we have to really think deeply in our hearts, in ourselves, about who we want to be in the future, what it is that really truly defines success. And like today, I can tell you, I'm like so fulfilled and so, I've had good, bad and ugly days just like everybody else, but I, I'm genuinely fulfilled and happy inside. And, you know, when I graduated from Harvard, actually in the second year of Harvard, uh, sorry, in the last year of Harvard, uh, a friend of mine uh, convinced me to do a startup with him. And my mom was very against this. Yeah, We have no money and, and, and the plan was for you to get a safe job with a big company, right? A Fortune 500 company and just yeah. security. And long story cut short, we went to Silicon Valley, uh, rented a small apartment and that was our, our office and our house. And, my, and I couldn't afford a bed. So my mom and I slept in sleeping bags on the floor. Mm -hmm. And then we eventually grew to eight employees in that apartment. And the eight employees would come, we'd, 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 um, we bought these uh, makeshift desks at Home Depot where you could just fold them and open them, <laughs> like, you know? And, and then we would fold them at night and then my mother and I would sleep and we were living on, you know, uh, microwave frozen, meals that were a dollar, dollar 50 at the time. Yeah. And, uh, um, just looking back at that, you know, journey, um, I can, of course I can look back at it fondly now because of the success I've achieved afterwards, but going through that, like, again, I had no idea where it was going to go, what was going to happen. Um, but then, you know, when I look back at it, like, how the hell could I do that? Like go with no money, you know, and, and, and loans to service. I, you know, I was not in a good financial situation at all for me to start, start, but I had no money. That, that, that was a point. I had no money. And my co-founders, they had no money. We were like, you know, all poor, like, you know, so we had like two or $3,000 for our name and that was it, you know, and we're starting a company, you know, it was just, when I think back, it was just crazy. Um, but that's also why, you know, the love of my mother, you know, she was very upset at first, but then after she could see that I really wanted to do it, you know, what mom will, will, will sleep in the office floor with her son, you know, in a sleeping bag, right? Um, just to help him chase a dream. Um, when obviously at that point, I could, could have gotten a, a safe job anywhere because I had the credentials to go and get a six-figure job safely somewhere. Mm -hmm. But instead, I was sl still slumming it, you know? <laughs> uh, but anyways, fast forward, like, you know, I... Um, later on, uh, after I sold that company, I, I thought to myself, you know, what are the three greatest passions in my life that I've had? And then, so the first was uh, martial arts has always been my greatest passion. Mm -hmm. And I've always been, uh, fascinated with entrepreneurship, you know, just cause just watching my father. Um, and the third was actually whatever it was like the nerd in me. I loved reading books about Peter Lynch and the stock market and Warren Buffett. And I thought, man, you know, I have a little bit of money. It's not, I didn't have enough money to, to retire forever, but I had a little bit of money. I'm like, what should I do next? And uh, the thought was, okay, well, why don't I just do something I like, which is stock, the stock market. So that's what got me onto Wall Street. And eventually I started my own hedge fund, which mm -hmm. ended up going to $500 million in assets. And that's when I thought like I had quote unquote made it, meaning that you know, I was making, I don't know, tens of millions of dollars a year. I was 
very successful by any standard, any stretch, including my own. And yet every day I felt a little bit of emptiness and I, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Mm-hmm. I just thought that, you know, maybe everyone feels this way when they, when they work or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And on Sunday night, I would get the Sunday night blues where I would like, you know, I didn't really want to go to work, but it was my own company, you know? So how can you, how can you not want to go to work if it's your own company? Mm-hmm. And so I had a record year, I think I was 35 or 36 at the time. And, and then I went down to the sushi restaurant near, 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 near the, um, near the office by myself. And, um, I was celebrating my mind, adrenaline rushing. And then it just hit me like, okay, so we buy more houses, more cars. And what's the point? I can only sleep in one bed. Mm-hmm. And actually I don't really drive a car in, in Manhattan. You know, I didn't drive really, you know? It, and so I don't know, I just started thinking a lot of things. And then I just was eating them myself and I got this cold sweat came over me. I'm like, Chatri, this is gonna be the rest of your life. And of course, on the outside, men look, oh, come on, Chacha, you're making a lot of money. How can you complain? Mm-hmm. But um, I really thought like, okay, my life will be full of materialism. It will be full of things. It won't necessarily be full of love. It won't necessarily be full of meaning. It'll be full of things. And I just, if I add more zeros to my fund, it'd be 500 million, 5 billion. What, I mean, those are zeros. Then I started thinking about, okay, what does a hedge fund actually do? What do I actually do to contribute to the world? And I realized it had nothing to do with people. It was all about buying and selling companies around the world and making money off of that. And then um, my mom's words echoed to me. So when I was a, a little kid, she used to always say to me, always, and I thought she was just motherly gibberish, crazy stuff, right? Crazy mom's talk. But she said, Chatri, you're gonna grow up to help people, you're gonna grow up to help the world. And I was like, mom, whatever, you know? Five years old, seven years old, eight, 10, 15 years old, I would make mom, whatever. But those words were echoing in my mind when I was at that sushi restaurant. And then I started thinking, am I helping people? Am I helping the world? And, and then, so I had many sleepless nights after that, weeks of it. And that's when I decided to, to, to walk away from it all. And my mom is a conservative Japanese lady, um, very conservative. And she loved the image that her, her son went to Harvard, you know, wore a suit and tie, was a hedge fund manager, working on Wall Street, you know, you know, working in a skyscraper, you know, sky, you know, an office building, whatever it is. Like she loved that image. Yeah. And it broke my mom's heart. I said, mom, I, I you know, guess what? I, this is not what I want to do anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was so upset. She's like, Chacha, you've taken your success for granted. You've forgotten our days in, in, in when we were suffering. And, and, you know, you're, you're too arrogant now. These are the words she said to me. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, mom, I really got, I got to find what it is that I want to do for the rest of my life. And, uh, and this is what I say for everybody. It's like, I climbed to, uh, to the top of the wrong mountain. I was living society's definition of success, not my own. And this is the trap for everyone. Okay. All of us. Um, if you start believing in your resume, 
And okay, I got to go right school. Then I got to get the right job. And then after that job, I got to get the next right job for the next company. And after I got mm-hmm. what ends up happening is your resume becomes your prison. Yeah. Because you're trying to do everything for your resume for the next job. Yeah. Society makes it so easy to pursue a, a meaningless career with all the right titles, all the right prestige, all the right external extrinsic factors. Mm-hmm. That if you're not careful, if you don't just stop and pause and think deeply, is this what I really want to do with my life? Is this really who I want to be? Mm-hmm. And you almost forget that we have one life, right? Because a resume, you can change jobs after three years, change and you can climb up the corporate ladder and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reality is that I climbed to the top of the wrong mountain and I had success without happiness, which is the ultimate failure. If you think about it, it's the ultimate failure. I owned a $500 million global hedge fund Everyone thought I was doing well mm-hmm. and financially I was, but inside I was dying. Mm-hmm. And of course, for some people, you know, buying and selling companies, that's their high. And that's, that's truly what ignites their soul. Right. I'm not saying don't, don't go to wall street to, for those young professionals who want to go to wall street. I'm not saying don't go to Silicon Valley, whatever it is. No, chase your dreams, whatever they may be, but make sure your dreams are intrinsic, mm-hmm. intrinsic in that you have thought deeply about, what is your passion? What is your purpose? And try to align it as opposed to think about, you know, almost think of it as a rat race. What's the next thing? What's the next hardest thing to get into? Oh, it's Goldman Sachs. Okay. I'll do my best to get into Goldman Sachs. What's that? What's after Goldman Sachs? Oh, it's to become a hedge fund manager. Like you're always just chasing the next thing Mm -hmm. without really thinking about life. And so, uh, yeah, long story cut short, how I ended up on this, adventure with one championship was I ended up retiring against my mom's wishes. Mm-hmm. My mom said, you know, pursuing martial arts was the dumbest idea. All my friends and family, like everybody said, that is ridiculous. You've lost it. Chatri. You're, 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 you're stupid. You're crazy or you're arrogant. Mm-hmm. And, but I said, but I told everybody, you know, me, I, I love martial arts. It's what I love most all of my life. And everyone agreed, but they said, Chatri, be real you know, martial arts is not a career. And I said, but, but I love it. And, and I, I think I, there must be a way for me to help people through martial arts because martial arts actually helped me, right? I mean, martial arts through thousands of hours of training gave me these incredible values of integrity or humility, honor and courage and hard work and, you know, all the things that martial arts gives you. And of course, martial arts gave me a, a warrior spirit right? To conquer adversity in life. So these were the, the, the magical things that I thought, man, every human being on this planet, if they had all these amazing things that I received from martial arts, they would be better off too. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to just do everything I can to live this life. And, but everyone was against it. And the first three years of one championship literally was thousands of failures, rejections, mm-hmm. um, when I went to Asian broadcasters, they said, that's a dumb idea. We already have NBA on TV. We have F1, we have EPL, we have, we don't need another sports property. Asians don't like sports. Then I went to governments. No, we don't, we think your event is stupid. Went to investors, investors turned me down. That's a really dumb idea. It'll never work in Asia. Athletes, even employees, I put out a job rec. 
and no one applied. And then the few people that didn't apply, I would have to beg them to accept the job. Like it was just like, nobody wanted to, and think about your parents, right? Like they would never say, Oh yeah, go, go sports as a career. Like no one thinks arts or sports as a career in Asia, you know? And so, um, at the end of year three, I called my mom and I said, mom, I think, um, I think I might quit because nothing's happening. I'm just burning millions of dollars of my own money and my best friend's money and Mm -hmm. nothing was happening. And, uh, she said at the very end of the call, she said, yeah, great. Why don't you just quit then? And then we talked a little bit more, hung up the phone and I realized just quit. And that's when I thought about what do I love to do? I love martial arts. What's my purpose? So my purpose with one championship is not about fighting. Actually, it's not about gaming or martial arts or any of that. It's about unleashing real life superheroes who ignite the world with hope, strength, dreams, inspiration. And this is what I mean about, it's very important to think about your why and your purpose. See, if my purpose was, I want to be a billionaire, I would have quit because I would have been like, there's no path to be a billionaire here or whatever, if it was money or if it was any other, I love fighting. I want to put on great fights. That's not enough to sustain you. But when you're like, man, the world is so full of negativity and hate and anger. Like I want to be a beacon of hope and, and, you know, you know how sports music and and entertainment, they are the drivers of culture and the next generation. Right. So I knew my heart, if I built a great, a huge sports property that would be on TV every week that I knew that our heroes would genuinely impact how society behaves and what they value in culture. And that it would literally impact how little boys treat little girls, how kids treat their parents and grandparents, how men treat women. Um, and it's all through these celebration of, of these values and, and these heroes who inspire the world and the stories of triumph over adversity and tragedy and, and poverty and whatnot. And, um, so when I thought about all of that, right, I'm like, this is my passion this is my purpose. I'm going to, I will die. Yeah. I, I will do this. I don't care. I will die. If I have to die, I will die. I love um, you. Yeah. So long winded, long winded way to answer your question. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, that was, that was, that was amazing. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So many parts I want to dissect, you know, like yes, of course. it's just the first part, the mindset alone, you know, it, it's, it's a difference between someone who's who lives an extraordinary life or someone who lives an ordinary life. You know, it's the yeah. mindset that you can definitely do it. If you, if you do it, the universe will sort of help you in many ways when you yes. constantly you're obsessed and like the oh. I'm building, building, building and pushing, you know? So I, I, see with, I see it with the uh, Asian uh, Hustler Network, bro. <laughs> and you both <laughs> and Maggie, and I see it. If this is going to be end up being huge, you know? If you think you're huge now, wait till you see three, four, five years because you're doing so much good. Oh. You know, when you have, uh, you know, 500 million members, you're like, what? What happened? You know? <laughs> so. Yeah, thank you for that, Chaltri. And a lot of similarities, too. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, the first time I see my mom cry was in 2008 during the uh, housing crisis. Where yep. my parents lost almost everything. Yep. That was the first time I see my mom cry. You know, like, she was telling me, like, hey, look, like, there, we won't have much money left. Like, we're going to have to struggle a little bit. And that's the point where I had to pick up part-time jobs and work different jobs. It's yep. very similar to you in some ways, yep. you know, yep. and just that, you know, when you're struggling, you're living, uh, you, you and your mom are living, sleeping on the floor. I actually, no one knows this on the podcast yet, podcast yet, because I haven't said it, 
but I, I like rented rooms in people's garages, just to, like sleep in the garage and sleep in closets throughout my early twenties. As I was like wow. trying to get things going, you know? Yeah. 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 You know, it's funny because instead of going to wall street, I, I went to real estate <laughs> yeah. and, and that's when I realized like, Oh man, my life sucks. Like it's, it's not that fun. You know, like you're yeah. working for no reason. Uh, right. I'm, unlike you, I didn't exit as a rich person. I exit actually poorer <laughs> than I came into it. Then I'm, like, <laughs> then I'm like, okay, like what can I do with my life? So I started thinking right. what I want to create a community because I created the Asian Hustle Network out of because of my own insecurities. Right. I felt like, like I wasn't good enough. I felt like I, ha- I didn't really have people around me to support my dreams and goals and whatnot, you know? Given the fact that the area that I grew up in LA uh, at the time was kind of on the lower income area. So a yep. lot of my friends, when I talked to them about these goals, they're like, oh, I just get a full-time job, you know? But I, I feel like life is so big, you know? You can do so much more with that. If, you've, if you believe in something, you can, you, you can make things happen. You know? Yeah. And it's funny. And I, I, I love that spirit, Brian. I'm telling you, you're just a young, you and Mag are just younger versions of me. I'm telling you, you, you have, <laughs> both of you have that, that dreamer spirit, which is very important because it's so easy to become a realist, right? Hey, be practical. Forget about your dreams. This is such a stupid thing. Yeah. Like go, go be a realtor, go be an accountant, whatever, you know, and you yeah. get that pressure from your parents and your friends and right. Yeah. I got that. Right. So it's hard to, to step out and do something different. Yeah. And yeah, it's funny good. because like I study computer science as uh, so I was a software engineer for a bit. And the day that I left my job, my parents like stopped talking to me and they stopped, <laughs> stopped eating dinner. Exactly. And just like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, so, so, you know, the drill, man, that's exactly what you know, my mom, uh, you know, my mom is this very conservative Japanese lady. So it's, yeah, exactly. So, you know, Asian parents can be uh, very tough. Yeah. 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 And that, that struggle that you're going through in your first three years, you know, and just creating one championship, like we are going through that struggle right now. Like we yeah. do a lot of investing and just like, I don't know what you guys are doing. <laughs> I was like, we're doing something great. You know, just believe in us. And there's many times yeah. that we to quit. You know? Yeah, actually, we still want to quit every day. <laughs> yeah, every day. But, hey, okay. So, we keep the dream <laughs> going because we care about social media. I will tell you, I will tell you that, um, I really believe this universal God or universe or God presents super difficult times in order to test your desire for your dream. I really believe this. And there is no founder in the world who's created a great company. Okay. Mm. Without ever asking him or herself, shit, should I quit or not? Mm -hmm. This is too hard. I can tell you that every, and I know many founder CEOs, very successful people. Um, and we all talk about how on the outside people think, wow, it's a rocket. And the inside it's like, yeah. dude, it's, 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 um, yeah. you know, and figuring out how do you monetize the Asian hustle network? I, I totally see it. How do you, you've, you've aggregated this great community. Now, what are you going to do? Right. And, and, and what are you going to do for income for yourself? Like it's, I've been there. I, I know exactly. I've been the selling feeling. assets, keep things going. Okay. <laughs> what <laughs> can we hard. sell today? <laughs> it's been hard. But the vision's always there. And like you mentioned before, there's three pillars, right? Sports, media, entertainment. But we also believe there's a fourth pillar, education. You know, yes. if you want people on stage similar, similar to what you believe that look like us, sound like us, that can inspire a new generation of entrepreneurs. Because growing up, like if you ask me who are my top three entrepreneurs, not knowing who Chatri was at the time, <laughs> you know, 
Yeah. It's like I picked three three white guys, you know, and right. I, I thought about that. I'm like, wait a minute, like why? I thought that you know Asian people are super talented. Where where are we hiding and everything, you know? Mm-hmm. And I really want to change that now that I'm in my early 30s, that I'm yep. starting a family soon. I'm like, okay, I want role models for my future kids. You know, right. I want the world to be in a certain way. That's and that keeps me going for Asian yes. work. Yes, that, 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 that's exactly it. That's that's um, a big part of why I started One Championship. You know, our hashtag is we are one, which is genuinely, I want to unite all of humanity uh, by showcasing the best of humanity, right? Through values that every family can celebrate with their kids and grandkids, through heroes that genuinely unite and inspire entire countries, and then stories uh, of triumph over impossible odds and tragedy and poverty and adversity, uh, genuinely to inspire humanity. Mm-hmm. And but at the same time, along the same vein, you know, when I looked, when, when I was starting one championship, I said, every region of the world has several multi-billion dollar sports properties that are part of the fabric of society and culture and daily life. So, you know, US has NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, Europe has F1, Champions League, EPL, et cetera. And there's nothing in Asia. Then I started thinking and looking around. It was sad, but everybody's favorite team in Asia was Manchester United, Liverpool, or, or Chicago Bulls. Mm-hmm. Their favorite players or heroes were David Beckham, or, you know, then I started looking, everyone wore Nike, Adidas, or Reebok shoes. Yeah. Then I, you know, I examined it even further and said, wow, movies, everyone's favorite movie star is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And I love Dwayne The Rock Johnson, so it's not, there's nothing against it, but there was, no, there was nothing about the continent of Asia that everyone was proud of. Four and a half billion people here. And then the favorite musicians, and it would be, you know, Michael Jackson or, or, or whatever, you know, whoever's the latest, hottest, uh, you know, uh, Ed Sheeran right now, whatever it is. And it made me realize, you know, there's just the, the, the West has exported content into the East for so long that Asia kind of idolizes mm-hmm. the West. And I'm like, you know, I want to be a leader who showcases the beauty of Asia, create Asian heroes, at the same time, create global heroes, right? Not just Asian and, and, and generally show the beauty of Asia's cultural treasures. And at the same time, unite the world. So while I'm pro Asian, I'm very pro humanity first though. I, I really, um, you know, I think about human beings, we all laugh, cry, love, and dream. And I don't want to be divided by the color of our skin, our religious beliefs, our socioeconomic status, our sexual orientation, our gender. I just don't believe those. I believe those are artificial things that we make up to make to make ourselves feel better about our insecurities. Right. Mm -hmm. If a man can say I'm smarter than a woman, it makes you feel, you know, these are all actually fear based, insecurity based, doubt based things. In reality, if you think about what all religions teach, it's the same thing. It's about love. It's about peace. It's about doing, being a good person. It's about doing right. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, uh, I agree with you. I, I do want to create heroes of all, of all uh, countries, but I just want to balance out the narrative, right? Right now it's, it's, it's the Western narrative globally, yet there's yet 60% of the population lives in Asia, mm-hmm. right? So I just want to balance out the narrative. So I, if I 
And it's kind of interesting because, you know, one championship actually is quite balanced. It's like half of our world champions actually are from Asia and half are from the States or Europe or, or, or Latin America. And that's kind of what, you know, the 7.8 billion people in the world represent. It's that's a rough split. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree with you, Brian, like having no hero who looks like you, who didn't go through what you went through, like your story just right now about you, you know, quitting as a software engineer, you know, it's, it's also my story about quitting, you know, Wall Street or, or, or going to Silicon Valley from Harvard. Like it's the same story, like, but Asian kids need to hear this because they're like, oh, wow, Brian went through that. Oh, Chachi went through that. Oh God, like I can go and do something I love. I don't need to, you know, again, Asian parents or Asian parents, they'll tell you to study, be good at math and study and be accountant or engineer or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and, and force us into these safe jobs. Um, and, uh, but we can, we can show everyone that it, there are different paths and that, you know, you don't have to be the stereotypical, you know, yeah, good boy or good, good daughter. Truth be told, like I was pretty excited when I first saw one championship come up on in Instagram. I forgot how long ago. Pretty long ago, right? Got like, it. Oh wait, there's a UFC of Asia. Yeah. What is this all about? And I looked into it. At first, I was like, it must be European company. <laughs> so like, I kept digging, digging deep into it. I found like all these inspirational warriors, fighters, and whatnot coming yeah. from people. Because my, my dad grew up in a pretty poor village in Vietnam, you know, and yeah. it reminded me of that. You know, like a humble background. Yeah. The, the fights and everything and oh yeah we're, we are huge in vietnam like Viet, yeah. the vietnamese fans are so hardcore it, yeah. it is you know yeah yeah it, it's it's so we have a we, we have a champion named martin nguyen who's australian vietnamese yeah. um oh, you know okay. we, we i did a, a tour with him in vietnam and man we were on the streets just getting street food and fans were coming up and you know yeah. asking autographs and photos with him and like because Vietnam has not had a world champion, you know, in any, any major sport. Right. So they, yeah. So it's a proud moment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love, yeah, I love that. I saw that and I'm like, Oh man, because I come from a wrestling background, you know, yeah. I think that toughness is practicing getting your ass kicked every day. I practice <laughs> yeah. all the strong. Yeah. yeah. It never leaves you. And every time yeah. you get like a hardship, you're like, I've been doing worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, on that topic, you know, you both are, have been fighters, you know, so. Uh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a hugger, literally. Wrestling is a very, very tough, tough discipline. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so after just starting, you know, multiple companies, Chatri, how does, you know, some of the lessons that you took from, you know, battling in the ring kind of translate into entrepreneurship. Oh, I want to hear this answer yeah. because I'm yeah. thinking, you know, you know, it, um, there are a lot of parallels and, and this is why, again, like why I, I really genuinely believe that martial arts is one of the greatest platforms to unleash human potential genuinely in my heart of hearts, because it teaches so many incredible lessons um, on how to live a successful life, right? Many of the attributes that make you successful in the ring are the exact same attributes that make you successful in life. Um, I'll give you an example. You know, I remember very well um, when I was younger, my very first fight. I trained very, very hard and my master really believed, you know, in me. And I was very, very, very scared. Like, an hour before the fight, you're in the backstage, you're rubbing, you're being rubbed down with all this oil and, and, and stuff and everything. You're like, did I train hard enough? Do I have enough cardio? Um, you know, 
just think about somebody who has trained just as hard as you have, who knows as much as you do, and he's going to knock your head off, right? That's so every fear, doubt, and security comes to your mind. Like, am I fast enough? And, you know, what am I doing here? <laughs> what am I, you know, um, it's funny because all of our world champions, you know, in one championship go through that. So when I go backstage now and I see them, it reminds of me when I was younger, you know, because they're all, they, when they compete and they're out in the open and, and, you know, with tens of thousands of fans, they are, they are alpha men and alpha women, right? But backstage, they are human beings and they're just like you and me where they have to overcome their fears, doubts, and fears just before showtime. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're pacing the floor and they're, you know, asking me, Chachri, you know, just all sorts of random crazy questions that, that, that reveal their, their insecurities. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you think about the journey of, of what it takes to be, you know, an accomplished martial artist, it's thousands of hours of training, of overcoming pain, suffering, of overcoming the desire to quit and saying, no, one more round, I will go one more round. I want to quit. My body is sore. I'm broken. I just don't want to do any more. You go again. Um, and uh, it teaches that grit and resilience that you need to succeed in life. And I'm just telling you, every dream, if you look at every professional world, if you want to get to the top of that profession, whether you're a musician, an artist, uh, you know, a businessman, a, an athlete, whatever it is, the path to greatness is going to be suffering. It always is because you have to put yourself in such a situation that as Brian said, it's a, it's, it becomes an obsession and like you have to overcome fears, rejections, failures, you know, pain. And like, let's take like Nelson Mandela, Nelson Mandela, People probably don't know because he's a, he's, he's a you know he's a even older than my generation, but he was the first South African black president. And back in the day when I was a kid, South Africa was still had apartheid, which is blacks and whites were segregated. So on the buses, restaurants, where they lived, the blacks were segregated to the slums and the whites. And this is South Africa, and Nelson Mandela always dreamed of having. Um, equality, racial equality. But um, because he became such a political activist, the government, the white government threw him in jail. I want to say for 29 years, he was in jail in solitary confinement because of a belief. And what's crazy is that South African government at the time offered him a plea deal four or five times to renounce his belief uh, on apartheid and to, and, and to absolve the, the South African government. Mm-hmm. because he was becoming a martyr, right? Being in prison and, and, and all, for all the blacks. And uh, he refused. And then because he became a martyr, the movement became louder and louder all over the world, you know, equality and, and, and UN sanctions against him, against South Africa. That there was one day a, a, a visionary president came to be who was white, who did believe in, in Nelson Mandela and then released him from prison and then Subsequently, you know, Nelson became the first black president in the history of South Africa. Think about his suffering. He was in solitary confinement. You can Google his, uh, the, 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 um, the photo of his uh, prison, prison cell. It was in solitary confinement, a little tiny little thing. I mean, it was just like, for and, and for to spend like 30 years of your life in there, you know, um, 
but then he been, you know, and he is, there's, you know, history will always remember him. There's no if, ands, or buts. His impact on the world is immeasurable, on South Africa is immeasurable. Think about the suffering he went through. So, and you can go after, you know, same thing for Michael Jordan. I don't know if you guys saw the Michael Jordan, the ESPN documentary on Michael Jordan that was on, right? Greatness, the, the price of greatness, the price of unleashing our greatness is, is always the path of suffering. There is no greatness without it. And, you know, if, if there was greatness, then it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't make for um, a, a, a great, a significant story for human history. Because human history, the greatest stories of humanity are those where there is tremendous suffering, but the triumphant overcoming of it. That, that is, in essence, the human struggle all over the world. Nick Wojcik, you know Nick Wojcik, the, 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 um, the guy born with no arms and no legs? Oh, yes, yeah. He was suicidal at nine years old. And today he's, you know, multimillionaire evangelist and, and, and love of his life. His, his wife is, you know, uh, uh, has, is a normal uh, physical body. Mm-hmm. They have kids. It's, you know, he lives that with love and, 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 and his religion. Um, incredible. Uh, so countless stories and mm-hmm. that's it because, and this is what I tell my, uh, you know, when I'm a company means I tell my, 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 my team, I say, you know, if you walk around any country and you say, do you want to be a millionaire? Everyone raises their hand. Do you want to buy your mom a house? Everyone raises their hand. Do you want to, you know, be an Olympic gold medalist? Everyone raises their hand. Okay. Now I tell you, this is the price that you have to pay to get there. Mm-hmm. Only one person will have their hand still raised, right? Because the price of the, of dream of, of achieving those dreams is so great that, and it can't be about pain. Meaning that if your passion is driving you, you will overcome the pain, and you won't view those painful things as as pain, mm-hmm. because your passion is driving you. So it's something you love. So you know you're going through the fire, but you you love that because you're on this journey that you have chosen. Mm-hmm. As opposed to doing something you hate. If you hate it, you hate being a kind of hate being a software engineer, whatever it is, and you're, and you're doing everything, you're dreading it. There's no passion or life behind it. Um, that's a very different existence. That's pain in a different way. Mm-hmm. It's an emptiness and loneliness and meaninglessness. So in reality, all of us. I don't want to sound so bleak, but it's not so bleak, but all of us, we choose our, our poison. We choose our pain, right? Either it's the pain of suffering because you love something so much, you're willing to do crazy things like the Asian hustle network, or- I lost the pain right now. <laughs> or, or, or you hate your life so much because you, you're doing a job you hate, but it pays the bills and you have a nice house or a nice car because of it, mm-hmm. but you hate your life. I'm telling you, that's, and, and the crazy thing is 99% of, of, of the world lives in the second bucket. Yeah, yeah absolutely. They, they, they're driving the Mercedes that can, they can barely afford because they're in a job they hate, but they have the Mercedes. So, you know, it makes them feel good to have a Mercedes, but they're, that's, that's, life should be the reverse. It's the opposite. You should, you should do what you love first. And if it happens so that you get a Mercedes, that's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with material things. I have no, I'm not against material. I just happen to be a minimalist myself, but I have nothing um, against people who like material things and, and who want to buy rewards for themselves. But um, money and material things should be a byproduct of doing something you love. It should not be the aim of, of your life. And a lot of people have it reversed, right? They're like, I can't wait to make $100,000. I can't wait to buy a Mercedes. That's the aim of their life. 
they're forgetting about passion. They're forgetting about purpose. They're forgetting about a higher thing. Um, and, uh, so I, you know, when I see you guys struggling, I'm just telling you it's the good fight, Brian and Maggie. <laughs> the good fight. And I can tell you as, as a seasoned entrepreneur, I can tell you, you're building something special and I'm just, I can see it because you're the first to ever do it. And uh, you see, whenever you're the first to do anything, it's always hey. a stupid idea. There's no way, you know, or why are you even doing that? It makes no sense, Maggie. Or Brian, this is so dumb. I'm sure your friends have asked you, oh, it's cool. It's a nice thing. You know, why? Why? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I left a pretty hefty software engineering job for this. You chose Peyton, bro. I was like, I chose Brian. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But, but only the crazy ones like us can appreciate like I'm again, like I'm, I'm a little older than you guys. So I, I, have been through your shoes. And I know what you've gone through and what you're going through. And I've been an entrepreneur for the vast majority of my career. So uh, it's always like that. And it's always the choice. Oh, should I quit now? And, and, and your dream is going to bring you down to your knees, but you will have a breakthrough moment. And, and right. Think about it. If I had quit at the end of year three, when I call my mom, I had no idea that year four, five, six, seven, eight would be the years, literally year four. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is, this is literally what happened. So end of year three, I was about to quit. Mm-hmm. I was exactly like, ah, oh, man, that's it. I'm done. I've spent so much money in my time. You know, even though I loved it, I was like, I'm, I was listening to all the negative stuff the, the people saying that's stupid or whatever it is. And fourth year, we hit 150,000 organic video views online. 150,000. And I was celebrating. I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. You know, that year was five and a half years ago. We just crossed um, an annualized run rate of 14.4 billion organic video views. Wow. Billion, not million, billion. So yeah. in the space of five years, we went from 150,000 organic video views online to last month, we hit 1.2 billion and it's continuing to grow every month. So I would have missed all of that. I will, you you know, so I'm just telling you when I look at you, what you guys are doing and because you know know what, what I love about Asian network, the mission is pure and you're actually helping people. And I'm telling you, when you add value to people's lives, eventually you make money. This is the number one rule of business. And you want to be super wealthy, just help more people. That's, that's actually, it's, it's actually very simple. If you help one person, okay, you can make some money. You make, you help a hundred people. Yes, you can help some, you can make some money. How wealthy people get wealthy is th- their product or their service ends up helping a billion people or a hundred million people, whatever the number is. Um, and it always starts this way. But the, the fact that you guys are starting like me from a, a the mission that's pure, and that's genuinely helping. It adds value to people's lives. Like, why am I doing this? I'm a very, very busy guy. I, I, I'm just, I get 700 emails a day just for perspective. I'm doing this because I see the beauty of what Maggie and, and Brian, you guys are doing. I want to contribute in my small way to helping you, you know, your, your, your mission. And, and I, I'm attracted to it because I, I have been in difficult situations. I've been in poverty. And if my story can help somebody, 
you know, on your platform, I'll be very, very happy, you know? So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a law of attraction at work. You know, I, I used to never believe in the law of attraction, but generally the, the, the energy you throw out in the universe, it comes back. It really does. If you're an angry, hateful person, that's what you throw in your hater, naysayer, doubter. Well, what's going to echo back on haters, naysayers and doubters. And you're going to have your own click of people hating on people. And that's how these internet haters, warriors end up happening, right? They hate on people. It's like, because they have nothing else better to do. And they're, they're all surrounded by haters, naysayers, and doubters. But if you throw out dreams and love and passion and it comes back, you know? Yeah. So. Wow. Chachri, you just give us so much motivation. <laughs> like, uh, I, hope. I don't I feel like it anymore. <laughs> well, we never feel like it, but we're never going to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I get like, I've, I've been in your shoes and I'm telling you, 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 you guys have something special keep, keep going. And you will see magic will happen right when you're right. When you're really, really, really down to like you, I'm, I'm ready to quit. You'll see that it's the universe that says, okay, you know, Maggie and Brian, you suffered enough for your dream. You're allowed now to enjoy it because it's, it's, it's the universe or God's way of saying, do you really, really want to help people? Do you really want, do you really, really, really want to, do you really believe in your mission or are you, are you just mission for money? Yeah. Only money. And there's nothing wrong with money, but it, you know, if the mission is impure, it will fail. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And people it will not resonate. Right. Yeah. So. I've heard it from our mission statement since day one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I know it's exactly. the same for our one championship. As yeah, well. ex exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Same. Exactly. Same. And, and, and that's why people, it's starting to resonate because we're not about hatred or anger or controversy or, or racism or, or blood sport or, you know, all the stuff that, you know, other organizations might do to attract attention, right? Like they'll have an athlete call out, you know, a wife's uh, hijab and, and insult Islam, do a lot of crazy things like that. Um, we refuse. We, we, we want Angela Lee to be a hero to all the little girls around the world because she's a fierce, independent, strong, intelligent, beautiful, you know, go-getter, a, a dream chaser. And that will inspire other little girls all over the world to chase their own dreams, not to be a fighter, but to be a doctor, a nurse, engineer, a CEO, whatever the dream might be. Right. Um, and, uh, so when, when, when I look at what you guys are doing, I'm telling you, you're at the very beginning, but it's, it's, there's going to be beautiful things. You will see three years from now, you'll be like, how did we hit a hundred million in our community? Like we were at like 70,000 and how did it go to hundred million? Like I'm telling you, if you told me Chachri, at year four, you're going to go to 150,000. And by the way, Chachri, in the next five years, I just want you to let me know you're going to go to 14 billion annualized run rate. I'm like, come on, man. You mean 14 million? <laughs> but billion is like, you know? And so I think we have similar missions, you know, what you guys are doing with your life and what I'm doing with my life. We, the three of us have similar missions about what we want. We, we just want to do good in the world, express our souls through our work and, and somehow make an impact. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So Chatri, we have one last question for you. And that yes. is what one advice could you give to an aspiring entrepreneur and how can they unleash the real life hero? Uh, well, I always say success leaves clues, right? So if you want to achieve something, find people who have already achieved what you want to achieve in life. And if you're lucky, they're your mentors for real. But even if you're even if you're not able to reach them, but you could read their, their life stories online or, or in a book, you know, there are tremendous lessons. And so I always just say, you know, you want to, if you want true love and you want to be married for 50 years with incredible kids and grandkids, and 
go find someone's grandparents that has that story and it doesn't have to be your own and sit with them for coffee and, and, and learn about what it took, the good, bad, and ugly, all the lessons and, and, and what did it take to create a beautiful family and, and, and everlasting love, right? If you want to be a millionaire, same thing, go find a millionaire who's done it off of his or her passion and purpose. Uh, you want to create a, a global company, go find some, you know, uh, entrepreneur, doctor, whatever it is, success leaves clues. So find people that have already achieved what you want to achieve and, and hopefully make them your mentors. And if not, no problem. You, 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 there's four five, ten 10 people you could read, read up on that, that went through your path already. Um, and that's how you avoid all the mistakes. Like, you know, I have several protégés right now within one championship and also outside because I'm, I'm also entrepreneur in residence at INSEAD, which is um, one of the business schools. And uh, all of my mistakes, all my failures, all of my, you know, lessons, I'm happy to share. You know, how did I raise $346 million? It wasn't luck. There was a, there was a lesson in that because the first three years I got rejected from over 100 investors. Um, every investor thought I was an idiot, like, like really. And then how did it happen? A few years later, we became the hot, one of the hottest startups out of Asia, full stop, right? And so that whole journey I've been through. So I know what it's like to have no money uh, from my earlier, earlier days, from my very first startup. Um, and I know what it's like to burn millions of dollars of my own money and then get rejected by the entire world for three years before the entire world says, okay, you, you are an incredible billion dollar property. Here you go. So that journey, I'm happy to share. Actually, I'm happy to share with you, both of you. I, I really like you guys a lot. So you guys can um, ping me anytime. I'm, I'm, I'm here to help you guys uh, as friends, not as a, you know, you tell me as a mentor, I'm happy to be your mentor. Uh, cause I believe in what you're doing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, and, um, happy to be a potential investor as well. You know, um, I, I invest in a lot of companies when, with young founders when I believe in them and stuff. So th th that's the number one advice I give people is success leaves clues, mm -hmm. have the humility and the hunger to reach out to people who have already achieved what you want to achieve, but don't do it in a selfish way. Don't do it in a way that is, you know, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Mm -hmm. Right. So here's a, here's a funny tip for your, for your, for your viewers. You know, I get hundreds of messages a week on my social media platforms. Um, and 99% of them, literally 90%, let's say like, like, especially LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. I want a job. Can you get me a job Chaudhry? I want to borrow money from you. I want you to invest in me Chaudhry. I want you to give me money. I want to have coffee with you. 99%. The 1% says, Chatri, I was reading online about you having this problem um, entering the United States. I came up with a social media marketing campaign for you. Take a look at this. I want to help you. So the funny thing is 99% of people reach out asking for help of these successful people. They don't have time. I don't, I, I have the heart. I want to help people, but I don't have the time to help individually hundreds of people every week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But when I see someone's already wanting to help me and I'm already successful, I don't need the person's help. They're trying to help me. Then it makes you stop. So actually a few of these end up now working at one champion. They actually have a job in one champion. They're quite senior now. Um, so it, it, it's um, just, I would advise your viewers 
listeners and the community, if you want to get something from somebody, offer something of value first. And even if you don't give it, it doesn't matter. Because I end up not taking the favors there, but their their mindset attracts me. You get my point? Like they're not in this selfish, self-centered mindset of how can they use Chhatri? They're in this mindset of, so I'm like, wow, you know, they're struggling, they're poor, and still they want to help me. Okay, I need to, I need to spend time with this guy because the old girl, what, 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 she's, she or he must be special, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one advice I would give, you know. Um, and so I end up not replying to a lot of messages, like 99% of them I don't reply because they're all asking me for my time or money or, or whatever it is, right? Thank you for and 1% PM, by the way. I even- what? For our listeners, I DM Chachi randomly. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. No, no, but you didn't know you, you didn't win. And plus, you know, it was my first week on, on Clubhouse, and Brian, you were so welcoming and so nice, and and you did probably. And I, well, at least I thought I didn't. Know, I thought you didn't know who I was, so I was like, oh, you know, I just random dude, like, and and um, you know, you're so nice, and then you messaged me, and I was like, yeah, you know, and yeah, so I, I felt your vibe. I'm a very, I'm all about vibes. You know, if I feel someone's energy and, it, and it's, it's a positive vibe, then it makes me want to help you. So, so yeah, I can officially be your mentor, guys, if you want. Thank you. We Thank you. like your vibe. I love what you're doing. Thank you, Chatri. So, Chatri, yeah. how can our listeners find out more about you online? Uh, they can go to my, they can follow me on my social media, which is uh, Yacht Chatri at Y O D C H A T R I. Uh, it's the name that my, uh, grandmaster in martial arts gave me my fighting name. Uh, so everyone has a ring name in, in, in Muay Thai, uh, Chatri actually means warrior in the Thai language. So my name means warrior and Yacht means extraordinary. So he used to call me the extraordinary warrior. So Y O D C H A T R I is the name he gave me. He passed uh, away several years ago as well. And, and, uh, uh, he's always been an inspiration for me. So that that's how, um, I hope to, I hope to make him proud. Well, Chatri, I just wanted to say I genuinely wanted to commend you for all that you do because I, we listen to your old podcasts and videos online. We listen to you almost and every day on Clubhouse too. <laughs> <laughs> I really believe Clubhouse. And I, I noticed that you talk a lot about luck. You got lucky, you got lucky, you got lucky. Yes, it does include luck. However, it also includes grit, resilience, and the belief that you can change the world. And you have all three of those. So I just wanted to commend you and your mother, your mother's love is so strong, you know, and that goes such a long way to have that support system for you. Yeah, definitely. And just like having her be by your side as you were, you know, living in the dorms, you know, sleeping on the floor in, in sleeping bags, she still had the ability to dream because she knew that you could change the world and her saying how, you know, when you wanted to go back to go, go to Singapore to start your own entrepreneurship journey. And she was, you know, she didn't feel like she wanted to do that. She still said, you know, whether I agree or disagree with Chaudhry, Chaudhry always gets his way. And I (laughs) sharing up because, you know, her love is so strong for you. And I just wanted to commend you for all that you've done. Well, yeah. th- th- thank you so much, Maggie. Yeah, uh, uh, the fact you know that 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 uh, my mom said that. Yes, that's touching to me. Um, yeah, she's uh, definitely my, my my biggest inspiration. She's also my biggest uh, tormentor as well. Because <laughs> I'm never good enough. You know, like, the typical Asian parents, like you know, I'm never good enough. Whatever I do, I'm still this 15 year old naughty boy. Um, but 
But thank you so much for the time, guys. I really enjoyed it. And, and like I said, you know, ping me anytime. I think you have my WhatsApp, right? Do you have my WhatsApp? Yes. My phone WhatsApp okay, yeah. So ping me anytime. Let me know how I can help you guys. And if you are looking for investors, let me let me see your business plan and stuff like that too. You know, but I'm I'm happy to help you guys. I I I really like what you're doing, and I see again. You were where I was in 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 that in that really tough period of one championship before it took off. Mm-hmm. Because, but you're adding value. It's growing. The the network's growing, and people are talking about it. So that I'm telling you that there is something. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that, Chaudhry. Yeah. yeah, it keeps us going for sure. And thank you for your time. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Maggie. Thanks so much. Take care. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes. So be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday. So stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.